You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your Legal Shield associate, connect you to a legal insurance plan that's right for you. Quality attorneys at established law firms for about $20 a month. How is that possible? Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old, rehashed, personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to, think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Do I know this by heart? Hello, this is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach and host of The Overwhelmed Brain. This is the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. Everything I talk about on this show should not be mistaken for actual medical advice or treatment and is intended to be for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you'll find here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the motivation to be your authentic self, and the forward momentum to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, the first thing I want to talk about today is uh, something I talked about with a coaching client yesterday, and it has to do with uh, neediness and um, emotional neediness. And um, I just want to kind of pre-frame this to say that neediness isn't necessarily the negative connotation that I make it sound like, like being needy, wanting your needs met, needing your needs met isn't necessarily a negative thing. But when you hear the word neediness, it, you feel that um, clingy feeling, or at least I do. So when I talk about uh, neediness or emotional neediness, I'm not necessarily referring to it in a bad way or a negative way. Because, you know, I used to be needy. <laughs> I mean, we're all needy for something. We all have needs. We get hungry. We need food. We need shelter. We need uh clothing some of us <laughs> depends i mean which part of the country you're in and what beaches you go to i guess and uh, we need uh love i mean some people might not think this but i think we do need love and it depends on how you define that love as in the support from other people love as in you're born into a family of some sort or sometimes your only family is one person but that is a family that is, is a support structure so love might, the way you define it, might have something to do with a support structure of some sort. And um, also somebody to feed your sense of worth and uh, self-esteem and uh, help you build your confidence. These are all you know needs that we have when we're children, that we grow up. And either we did a good job fulfilling those needs, because when we're children, hopefully our parents and or caretakers helped us fulfill the needs that uh, we don't turn into dysfunctions later. In other words, if you didn't receive enough 
coddling or love, uh, support, hugs, um, touching, like um, just somebody touching you on your shoulder or giving you a hug, patting you on the back. If you didn't receive enough of that when you were younger, you may have developed uh, a neediness for it later on in life. And this is where dysfunction usually starts. Dysfunction usually starts when there's an unmet need and you don't know another way to fulfill it. So you start doing behavior that is not very beneficial to you and possibly others around you. Then you get results in life that don't turn out the way you want them. And then you wonder why people leave you, you lose jobs, uh, people are toxic around you, uh, or you're toxic to others. So the whole idea behind um, growing up as a child who doesn't get their needs fulfilled, turning into a dysfunction, doesn't mean you're broken. It just means that you have needs in certain areas of life that haven't gotten fulfilled in a healthy way. So let me rewind back to emotional neediness and what I've witnessed in my clients' lives and in my own life. A personal story is in many of my relationships, I've always required more connection, more emotional connection from my partner than they've required from me. In fact, I've been known to be too clingy. And this is where neediness typically gets a bad rap, is that some people will be with emotionally needy people and feel clinged on. <laughs> Cling on? And uh, also feel smothered. You know that term, you, I feel smothered. Stay away from me, you're smothering me. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. I was the one smothering and uh, what it did, though, is it created more distance in the relationship instead of more connection. I would want more, so I would cling and feel needy and really depend on the other person for the love and intimate connection that I probably didn't receive as a kid. In fact, I know for sure that my mom was never a big hugger. Her hugs always felt like, uh, come over here and I'll pat you on the back and uh, I won't really hug tight and uh, I just got used to that. I never felt that that was a problem. I just felt like that's how you're supposed to hug and so it took me a while to figure out how to hug with real connection and that's just my personal opinion. I think you know some people don't need to hug <laughs> with real connection really tight and really long. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about uh, for it to have meaning for both me and the person being hugged. Uh, how can I express this better? I still, I still have trouble um, actually hugging with meaning, if that makes sense. And uh, the reason is, is because I probably have some level of discomfort in me that makes me think that it's not necessary to hug really tight for a really long time. But some people do. And some people are very genuine about doing it and they feel really good doing it. You just have to be aware of the other person's boundaries and how they feel about doing that. But regardless, where I was in many of my relationships was very emotionally needy and dependent on the other person. Like when they came home from work, I would be like all over them. I want a kiss. I want a hug. And um, <laughs> they would be like, just give me some space first. And I used to be offended by that. In fact, even this relationship now, 
I still felt like I want to hug and kiss when you come home from work. And my girlfriend's like, I just need space. So I, I realized I carried it into this relationship. But I had to think about it because I was, I was wondering, is this a dysfunction in me to want connection when my girlfriend comes home? How is that a dysfunction? I had to go through that process of you know thinking, what about this is a problem? Why wouldn't she be happy to see me when she walked in the door? Why wouldn't she be like, oh, honey, I've had such a hard day at work. Give me a big hug. I need you. And I felt like I would do that, wouldn't I? <laughs> I mean, when I worked out of the house, I would come home and I would want to see the person I lived with. Eventually, I did figure out that even after a hard day of work, coming home and seeing uh, the girl I was with or my eventually my wife, I realized that I needed space. But I still didn't know why. Because I had spent the entire day without them. Shouldn't I need them when I come home from work? So I found this concept rather interesting and um, I highlighted it to my client yesterday exactly what, what might be happening in his uh, relationship. You know, because he comes home from work and, you know, she wants his attention and he just feels like, mm, I don't know, he didn't use the word smothered, but he, I think he used the word needy. She feels needy and I just can't uh, meet her in that space, he was saying. So I've been on both sides. I've been on the side of being needy, wanting that love and connection from my partner and also being the one that says, oh, just give me some space. I need to sit down and, you know, chill for a while. But the big question for me was why? Why do we need space when we come home after we should be missing our partner all day long? We haven't seen them all day. And maybe, you know, if our partner stays home all day, either works at home or is a stay-at-home mom or dad or just a homemaker or whatever, and they haven't seen their partner all day, it's going to be a different scenario than somebody being at work and commuting and dealing with a lot of other people throughout the day. And uh, as I explored these scenarios uh, different ways, I figured out that the reason that, for instance, my girlfriend comes home from a day at work where she's had to deal with a lot of people, the reason she needs her space is because she's given a lot throughout the day. She's given to coworkers. She has given to her clients, to the people on the phone. She has given to her boss. She has given herself to the commute. It was, you know, an hour there and an hour back. And then to stay there all day long, she's giving a lot of herself throughout the day. People need her throughout the day. They need her time. They need her brain. They need her attention. They need, they need, they need. And then she comes home. And what's the first thing I do? I need from her. And that is the key. That is why she and many other people don't want to connect as soon as they walk in the door. Because people have been needing that person all day long or for a number of hours. And now they come in and they just want that solitude and not want to be needed so much and just need space. And when I thought of that, I was like, yes, that's it. That's why I felt rejected when my girlfriend or my wife when I was married would come home and 
I would need their attention and they couldn't give it. They've been giving their attention to other people all day long. And it took me a while to figure out that it wasn't about me. It wasn't because I was not important or not significant in their life. It was about them just not having the bandwidth to be able to give any more. It was about them taking the first real break of the day and coming home and just winding down for a while. It took me 44 years to figure this out, or at least 30 plus years of relationships, to realize that, oh, so when you come home and it appears that you don't want my love and attention and connection, it's not about me. It's not because you don't want to see me. It's just that you want to be with you for a while. It's that you need your space because people have been demanding your time and attention all day long. Now I get it. So now when my girlfriend comes home and I can tell she's in that space, I leave her be. I say, hey, hon. And then I don't say anything else. I don't require her to come over to me and kiss me and hug me. I don't require her to do anything. I give her the freedom to do what she needs to do for herself. And uh, she has said she really appreciates that. Because what happens is that when you are very needy towards someone who needs that space and you never give it to them or you require that emotional fulfillment as soon as you see them, what they might do is shut down. They might give you something but then shut down for the rest of the evening or the rest of the day and now you can never connect. How can you connect? In this example, you give instead of need. You give what they need so that their need is fulfilled. Their need may not be to kiss you or hug you or even barely acknowledge you when they come home. Their need may be, I need a freaking quiet space where no one's talking to me and I can just be with myself because I haven't been with myself all day long. I have been needed and needed. Remember, it's not against you. If you're the needy one, it's not against you. I mean, sometimes it could be. <laughs> but in this example, what I'm talking about is that it probably isn't against you. It's probably something that they need that they don't have the bandwidth for that if you allow them the wind down, the disconnect, the, hey, I don't need anything from you. If you do that more and more, you may start to see improvement in your relationship. You probably will. You probably will start to see improvement in your relationship. And I know this is hard to do if you are an emotionally needy person. I consider myself an emotionally needy person. I still want that love and attention. And a small part of me still wants to hug her as soon as she comes home and kiss her and just pour my love onto her. But I reserve that knowing that she doesn't have much to give back sometimes. And that's an important acknowledgement of someone else's needs. If you can acknowledge what they need and do your best to provide it, even if it means what they need is for you to leave them alone for a few minutes or an hour, that might be something that if you do it, the long-term results of your relationship will, will favor the relationship. It'll, it'll go in a better direction. So this isn't with 
every single scenario, every single situation, it really shows up in a relationship where one person seems very distant most of the time and the other person seems very needy, very dependent, wanting the emotional connection, wanting the reciprocation. You know, I'm showering you with emotions and love and I'm not getting it back. So what I'll do is shower you with more emotions and love and you will probably be more and more disconnected from me if I do that. But I don't really see that, so I'll shower you with even more. And it's a pattern that doesn't usually work out. So if you find yourself in this pattern, remember this segment. (laughs) Remember what I talked about here. Because if you can resolve the disconnect by just doing that one simple thing, realizing that they probably don't want to be needed, or even you, if you're experiencing someone who is emotionally needy for you, realizing that you just don't have the bandwidth to give any more until you do a system reset and recharge, if you can both meet at a place where the person needing the recharge just needs time, then the person needing that recharge will more than likely want to connect later. And that's hard to do. It's hard to give someone their space when you are emotionally needy. It's hard not to want to hug and love on them, especially if you haven't seen them all day. But it's also very important that you understand what needs aren't being met for them because they've probably been fulfilling people's needs all day long and suddenly you need them to. And in order to pull it out of themselves, they have to take extra effort and it may not be authentic. It may not be real. And you don't want that. You want real, authentic connection and attention. When you can't get the real, authentic connection and attention, just give them some space and see if that helps. So I hope this helps if you're in that type of situation. We'll be right back with Ask Paul right after this. All right, I want to tell you about Asha. She is a representative for Legal Shield. If you don't know what that service is, just think about all the times that you weren't sure what to do next about something. Like I remember working with a uh, property management company. They kept telling me everything was fine and they had my condo under rent by this trustworthy person. But then I found out that this trustworthy person had the police called on her and a broken window. And then I found out that she was smoking in the condo and there was no smoking allowed and she ruined my new carpet and basically trashed the place. (laughs) And um, I really trusted the property manager to tell me all this stuff that was going on, but they didn't tell me a thing. And they even advised me that it's okay if she missed a month of rent because she's just so sweet. And uh, although that may have been true, all this other stuff going on behind my back and uh, them not telling me really upset me. But, you know, I was in my early 30s, which is like early 20s in man years. And <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. I felt like I was lost. And if I had this service back then, I could call them and ask them what I needed to do. It doesn't mean I'd have to go to court or even use legal action. But just the fact that I could call someone and get legal answers anytime I wanted, 
uh, would have been a, a huge thing and it might have actually prevented me from going into bankruptcy, from losing the condo, from all the stuff that really happened uh, during that time period. Asha's website is getoutofthemess.com. If you're interested in uh, getting answers to any question that you have, any legal question, or even if you don't even know if it's legal, they have attorneys that represent probably all aspects of life. Anything from real estate to copyright law to general questions about what somebody might be liable for, what you might be liable for, anything you can think of, they likely have a specialist for it and you can access that specialist through this service. So I want you to call Asha at getoutofthemess.com. Her phone number is 678-355-8777 and ask her if this service would work for you. I know it works because I use it and I know it's going to work for you. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, call Asha today, 678-355-8777 or go to getoutofthemess.com and sign up. You'll thank me later. Welcome back. This segment is called Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them through a challenge. I'm going to read you a message here that's not really a question. I'm just going to read it because it says a lot of nice things. <laughs> it's a quick one. Here it is. I have bipolar disorder, complex PTSD, generalized anxiety, ADHD, and premenstrual dysphoric syndrome. And in parentheses, she says, yes. I'm a load of fun at parties. <laughs> I want to tell you that I love your podcast and I think your advice is spot on. I think that any person who has survived trauma would get a lot out of your show. I certainly have. Your advice reinforces the positive things that I have learned on my journey, but without the saccharine coding that I have found in so many other self-help books and sites. I love that you address and promote critical thinking and authenticity. If I were not struggling financially due to my disabilities, I would absolutely be a contributing patron. I discovered The Overwhelmed Brain only a couple of weeks ago and have been going through your archives ever since. You have quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. So I just want to say thank you for your work. This multiple trauma survivor thinks you completely rock. <laughs> thank you for what you do. You, Paul, are amazing. And uh, she said I could use her real name. So, Annie, thank you very much. And you are welcome. And uh, you said that you'd be a contributing patron if you weren't struggling financially. And I want to tell you, you have contributed. You took the time and wrote this to me and made my day, made my year. I love seeing that someone as yourself that has gone through so much found value in this show. That fills my heart and that makes me so grateful for you. You have contributed to this show because I just read it on the air <laughs> and you have contributed to me because you fill my heart and I appreciate you. Thank you for that. And um, another reason I wanted to read this is that there are people in this world and you may be one of them that have gone through everything that life can throw at you, or at least all the hard stuff that life seems to throw at you sometimes. And I've met people both in person and online that have had such uh, tragedies and abuse and bad deal after bad deal in life that it's hard to believe that they're still here and can still function 
And I don't mean that as a put down. I just mean, wow, that's resilient. That is being able to survive the worst of it and then coming out on the other side and still being here, still getting through life with not much of a solid, healthy foundation behind you, at least uh, when it comes to other people. You do have a solid foundation inside of you that in order for you to be here today, you must have it because so much happens in life where if you were to let that get you down and you don't have that solid, healthy foundation inside of you, then you wouldn't be here listening to the show right now. So I'm here to say that you have this resource inside of you that you can access even when you think, what's the point? I want you to remember that this resource is inside of you. You are still here today listening to this show and doing what you can. And it may just feel like, oh, I'm just surviving. It may feel that way, but there's something inside of you that wants that. There's something inside of you that not only wants to survive, but to thrive and to get to a point where you feel more good more of the time than bad. And when I read letters like this, I want you to remember that you're not alone. Whatever you've been through isn't something that you have to deal with alone. Annie found this podcast and she found it as a valuable resource. But if this podcast doesn't work for you, I want you to find another podcast, another person, another book, another website, another resource somewhere else until you find the right one. I'm not all about just listen to me and your life will be grand. I'm all about finding what works, finding what works for you and then making that part of your life. If you like listening to technology podcasts because it makes you feel good, then do that. I want you to feel good. If you like listening to this show because you get to strengthen your emotional intelligence and heal from the inside out, then keep listening to this show. If you go to a bookstore and you find that perfect book, it has the perfect first line, and you're like, this is the book I need, get the book. The idea is to keep feeding yourself with what works. And when you figure out something doesn't work, stop feeding yourself that. I've had people uh, write to me and say, you know, I listened to your show for, I don't know, two years. And then I stopped listening to it because I felt like I didn't need it anymore. And my response to that was, awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I don't want you to need what I teach here. I want you to utilize it if you need it. But if you don't need it, then, you know, you can pick up tips here and there. But if you're at a place where you feel empowered enough to make decisions that are right for you and your life is turning out the way you want it, or at least going in a good direction that makes you feel good, then maybe you don't need this show anymore. I'd love for you to stay and keep listening. But if you're going to benefit more by saving an hour by not listening, then utilize that hour for something that really feeds you in the direction that you're going. It's sort of like when I went to therapy. When my first long-term girlfriend decided that she needed to get away from me, <laughs> pretty much how it happened, I need to get away from you, this isn't working. I went into a depression and I was depressed for a few months and I realized, oh, I don't like the way this feels. So I went to therapy and every time I left therapy, I felt a little lighter and a little lighter. 
until I got to the point where I realized, hey, I'm, I'm feeling okay now. I'm still hurt. I'm still depressed. I mean, it wasn't a cure for my depression, but I just felt like I did enough to feed me using this resource that I didn't need it anymore. So after, I don't know, a number of sessions, I said, I'm going to stop coming. <laughs> I think I have enough to move on now. And she understood. And I'm sure that's exactly what a lot of therapists and coaches want from you is to not need them all your life, but need them through struggles and need them for the purpose that you need them for. So that's what I would love for you to do is to find things that work for you, that benefit you, that put you in the right direction and keep doing those things until you no longer get any value from it. And you'll know, you'll know that, hmm, I've uh, listened to this podcast a hundred times and the last 10 times I'm just no longer getting any value. So I think it's time to move on. And then I'll come back, <laughs> see if I need any more, uh, look at some episode titles, uh, see if they resonate with me, and then I'll listen to those or I won't. Just like uh, relationships. Sometimes you don't need the person anymore. Sometimes the relationship is over because you've gone as far as you can with the person you're with. If you're not getting value from that person anymore, you know, of course you work on it, you talk it out and you express what's on your mind. But if the value is not there and you're not feeling the support from them and you don't feel like supporting them and you're not feeling love towards them or not the same kind of love that you used to feel, then you have to start wondering, is this benefiting me at all? And I think that's important just to remember that um, whatever's not benefiting you, it's time to question that. It's like uh, Annie said in her letter, I love that you promote critical thinking. I do, because I don't want you to blindly follow something or stay in something that doesn't work for you anymore. This is where you come up with inquiries, you come up with questions, and you determine, hey, is this still right for me? I love that question. Is this, is this right for me? Or is this still right for me? That question is powerful because you're going to feel the answer before you say it. Is coaching still right for me? Yes. Is hosting this show still right for me? Yes. And whatever your questions are, is doing my job still right for me? You might come up with a no, <laughs> but then you might come up with a follow-up of what else am I going to do? Which is then an opportunity to explore what else there is. So I just wanted to throw this in here as a philosophical thought process that you can carry with you that it's okay to question what's going on in your life, and if it's still valuable to you, if it's still bringing a benefit to you, and if it's still helpful. I hope this show helps you until the end of time, <laughs> but I also hope that you find the right resources that give you exactly what you need. And to Annie, thank you again. Thank you for this message. It made my day. I appreciate you. We'll be right back with another message after this. Welcome back. I'm going to read the next email that I received and uh, see what I can do to help here. It says, uh, thanks for taking the time to read this message. Throughout the year and a half relationship with my boyfriend, he provides me a wealth of knowledge and insight on how I can do things better and see how certain beliefs I have sometimes make me think of things backwards. 
The amount of information in a short amount of time can sometimes be overwhelming because he values time and action for what you say you're going to do. We're becoming frustrated with each other because the honeymoon phase is dissipating and my personal growth progress is falling behind because I'm not using every opportunity as a way to practice the techniques or examples I can compare in my life. I want this to be a successful relationship, but resentment is knocking on the doorstep. I want to keep learning and doing so that I can be successful and to continue this relationship. All right, thank you for that letter. I'm going to call you um, Kathy. So Kathy, I wasn't sure I understood the very last thing or one of the last things that you said, which was, I'm not using every opportunity as a way to practice the techniques or examples I can compare in my life. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm just going to assume that uh, what you mean is you feel like you're falling behind because you should be moving along at a faster pace, or at least according to your boyfriend. So there's a couple things going on here that I can tell from your letter. It, it really wasn't descriptive enough for me to pinpoint what might be happening. So I'm going to make my best guess here. And that is that your boyfriend, in his quest to help your personal growth along, is giving you the information whether you want it or not. Is that right? <laughs> because if it's right, the second part of what I see going on here is, like you said, the resentment is starting to build. Resentment can build when someone is trying to control your life. And it feels like someone's controlling your life when they are telling you what the, quote, right thing to do is for your life. Now, this is a challenge because I look at like someone like me. I come on the air and I believe I have some solutions for people out there that could use them. I have faith in what I'm putting out there. I believe that I'm right about a lot of stuff. <laughs> it doesn't mean it will be right for your situation, but it's going to be right for someone. Now, this is where the difference might come with someone who is teaching uh, any type of personal growth to you. It's a matter of the person listening, for example, you, Kathy, taking what works and not taking what doesn't work. Because my perspective is unique to me and to the clients I've worked with and to everything I've studied in my life, my perspective has limitations on the amount that I know. As soon as I think I know a lot, some other barrage of knowledge comes my way and I go, wow, <laughs> I didn't know half the stuff I thought I knew. And is what I'm teaching still the best thing to teach? Is the message I'm giving you the best message to hear, to pass along? The answer could be no. This, the things I say may not be the best that I could come up with or the best for your particular circumstances. However, the more I do this and the more people I work with and the more I learn about myself, uh, the more I learn what does work. So after what, the first six years on and off coaching and then the last four years this show and then the last two years permanent full-time one-on-one coaching, uh, I've come to a place where I've learned what can and does work in a lot of situations, which puts me in a place of some credibility, some reputation, someone who has worked with a lot of people that can pretty much generalize some things going on in your life. So the reason I said that is because now you have other people 
that have gone through their stuff and have probably healed and grown a lot in their life and maybe even shared their knowledge with others. But I'm very wary to pass on what worked for me to someone else and expect them to have the exact same results I had. And uh, that's where the difference lies in working with a lot of people as opposed to working with just friends and family and maybe your intimate relationships. It's not that the knowledge you're giving is wrong. It's just that it might not be broad enough to allow other factors, other circumstances in because we all have unique histories. My history is a lot different than your history. So many of the things that I teach may not apply. But some of the things that I keep broad enough, that I keep generalized enough, will work in your life because we all want to experience certain emotions. We may not all want to experience happiness, but many of us want to experience some sort of peace and satisfaction in our life. So to come here and teach you how to get to that place will be an experience that most people want to achieve. You run into issues when you start getting very particular, very detailed in exactly where you want someone else to go. When, when you are a coach, when you are a mentor, when you are a teacher, when you're in that uh, mode, I think you have to be careful in a couple ways. One, is the person you're teaching a willing participant and asking you to teach them? I think that's an important step to get through because if you don't have that willing participation and they're not looking for it, then I think you need to honor that and, and step away until they ask you for advice or suggestions. This is very similar to um, an episode where I talked about I was always helping my wife when I was married. I was always trying to help her. She would vent something to me and I would see a problem and I would be like, oh, I can fix that problem. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. And she would get so upset with me. <laughs> and I'd be like, why would you be upset? I have the solution to the problem right here and right now. And she goes, I, I don't want to talk about a solution. I just want to get this off my chest. And I think she might have even said, I can probably figure this out on my own. I'm just talking about it out loud. And I said, whoa, that's weird. Somebody who doesn't want a solution. <laughs> so I would back off. And then I learned, oh, maybe I should only offer my input if she asks. And that was hard to do. <laughs> because I'm Mr. Fix-It. I want to fix everyone and everything. Or at least I used to feel this way that I needed to fix someone or I needed to come up with a solution. So I backed off and that actually improved our communication and it allowed her to feel safe with me expressing things without me pulling out my toolbox and trying to come up with all these solutions. It made her feel safe and almost always she figured it out for herself. And this is where I want you to go. If you are a coach, a mentor, a teacher, a parent, a counselor, a therapist, or even playing any of those roles where you can teach someone and are teaching someone. Keep in mind that self-empowerment is the most powerful way to teach. When you can get someone to figure it out on their own, the lesson sticks. It's full immersion in the challenge. And when you can get the lesson to stick, the time and action that Kathy talks about here, 
Like her boyfriend said, I'm all about time and action. You got to get it done. Just go through these steps. That happens on its own and it happens quickly. But in my opinion, has to come through self-empowerment in order to be the most effective and longest lasting. It's the difference between giving someone a fish and teaching them to fish. You've heard that old saying, right? Give them a fish, they eat for a day. Teach them a fish, they eat for a lifetime. I think that's a great metaphor to have. And it reminds you to think to yourself, hey, I'm not here to give you every step that you absolutely need to take to create the life you want, to create the results you want. I'm here to put you on the path so that you can discover that for yourself. It's not always that way. Some people are asking for very specific advice. And yes, sure, you can give your opinion. Say, I suggest you do this. And then you have to give them the leeway and the leniency to go, okay, that sounds great. Or, no, I don't think I want to try that. That's still empowering them with choice. And I think that's a great place to be is when you can empower someone with the choice to do something even better. But remember, it has to go along with the idea that they want help in the first place. And they ask for it. And I think that's key, really. When you're in any type of mentor or teacher role, I think it's key that someone specifically asks you for a way to do something better or something that's helpful to them or some way to get through a challenge in their life. That way it's initiated by them instead of initiated by you, which can lead to resentment. And I've experienced this. My, when I was married, my wife was getting more and more resentful as she would talk to me because I would come up with all these solutions. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And pretty soon she didn't want to talk to me anymore. And that's when we had the conversation and I backed off and I realized, oh, so I don't need to always try to fix things. Got it. Now, what becomes frustrating for the the fixer person is that they see a problem and now they have to back off and not try to solve it. (laughs) If you're a fixer and you want to give advice and you want to suggest the things to do, back off. I don't mean to say that like a command. (laughs) I'm just saying I suggest you back off and allow them to come to a place where they ask for your opinion, for your advice. That way it's invited. It, it's sort of like uh, vampires, right? And uh, at least the, the legend, the folklore says that uh, if a vampire comes to your home, they can't go in the home until you invite them in. There's another good metaphor to use, right? You can't come in until I invite you. It's a great way to look at things. If you are a person that gives advice, that fixes and likes to come up with solutions, think of people that way, that you are the vampire, except you're a helpful vampire, (laughs) and you're at their door, and they're talking to you from their door. You're not allowed to say, can I come in? (laughs) You're not allowed to say, hey, can I use your phone? (laughs) You don't want to trick them. You just want to stand there and listen until they say, hey, you know what? You want to come in? And that's the invite. Now you're allowed to give the advice that they're asking or give your suggestions. And I think that's a safe way to communicate. When you're with someone who clearly needs help, at least in your perception, they clearly need help. I think it's important to approach them with a listening ear, a non-judgmental ear, a person who isn't there to try to fix anyone or anything, but just wants to hear them out. Hey, what's going on in your life? Oh, this happened to me, and then I got a flat tire, and then this happened to me, and then this guy at work, on and on and on. 
And then instead of going, well, you need to keep a spare in your trunk and that would be a lot easier. And then the next time that guy at work says that to you, I want you to stand up for yourself. No, take a step back and just listen until they say, do you have any advice about how I can deal with this guy at work? And then you go, well, sure. Here, next time you're in that situation, try this. And then be open to them wanting to take the advice or not. And this provides a a safe, non-resenting communication between uh, two people. So, Kathy, I I don't know what's happening in your relationship. I could be way off. I don't, like I said, I don't have enough information to really assess what's going on there. But my assumption is that if you are building resentment, you're getting uninvited suggestions and advice. And it could be the most profound, solid, best advice ever. But if you're not in the space to receive it, it's going to bounce off of you. It's going to make you upset. You're going to feel like um, you're broken, actually. And this is this can happen, is that when someone's always told what they need to do and, you know, step on it, you need to do this, you need to do this to improve your life, they're going to eventually feel broken and they're going to feel more dependent on the person giving the advice because if they feel broken and the other person has all the solutions, that can happen. You can create a dependency where the other person starts depending on the fixer and really can't do anything on their own without, you know, checking in. So it's a tricky situation. And, and I'd, I'd hate to see your relationship get worse and worse because you're using that type of communication. And you said the perfect comment at the end of your letter, which was, I want this to be a successful relationship, but resentment is knocking on the doorstep. Perfect metaphor, right? Who is knocking on the door? Oh, it's that vampire guy again. <laughs> if he comes in, then I feel resentful. And what did I just do? Now I have to deal with him. And it's draining. It really is draining to hear someone come up to you and tell you what you need to do. You need to do this. I, I know my girlfriend has met a few people like that. You need to do this. You're experiencing that in your life? Well, you should do this and you should do this. And you need to follow this path to this person and listen to this guy And she's like, I don't want to hear this. (laughs) I just shared with you and I thought this was a safe place to share without being told what to do. And some people don't understand. So that's that can be difficult is that when someone comes up to you and says, you need to do this, you need to do that. And that definitely builds resentment. And um, hopefully if your boyfriend listens to this show, uh, he'll understand uh, what I'm saying. Not that I'm telling him what to do. (laughs) if he wants to press play on his mp3 player and chooses to listen to me and take the steps that I outlined here then more power to him if that's empowering for him and that works for you then great that sounds like it could turn into something wonderful but if he hears this and he's like no that doesn't work for me I don't want to do it that way that's fine too (laughs) I have to take my own advice and go hey you just can't come out there and fix people. You have to remember that people need to get there on their own and make their own choices and decide to take your advice or not. I assume since they pressed play and they listened to this show, they probably want something out of this show. So that's why I come on the air. It's a lot different than you and I talking one-on-one. So there's a, there's a little difference there, but it's still a choice. I want you to have that choice. I want you to be able to move forward thinking that you don't have to listen to that Paul guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't want to put you in a situation where you resent everything I say. I want you to take the information that works for you and throw out the rest. Because I think uh, you're special. How about that? <laughs> well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. I'll say some goodbyes and give you my final words. Back after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank you if you've purchased the book, The Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers. This is the A to Z guide to self-empowerment. Wherever you are in the process of personal growth and development, get this book to solidify what you're learning here. Get this book to give you the breakdown of what you need to do to live a life with power, with empowerment. I mean, to be empowered means that you're doing the things that you want to do and you're making the decisions that are right for you. And instead of living in fear, you're living with confidence that you're doing the best you can and you're doing everything you can to make life as stress-free as possible. So go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you get books and find The Overwhelmed Brain. You're going to love it. And I want to thank Asha with Get Out of the Mess. Go to getoutofthemess.com or call her at 678-355-8777 and talk to her about this service that will help you um, probably not be bullied. <laughs> That's typically what happens is that some company or person will bully you and you'll feel like you're, you're stuck in a corner with no options. I don't want that for you. Give Asha a call today, 678-355-8777. And I want to thank members of the patron program. And in fact, if you're a member of the patron program, I want you to listen to the very end, right when the music stops, because I'm going to thank you personally. Everyone else, eh, you don't have to listen. <laughs> when you get to the end of the music, you just hit stop or, or keep listening. It's up to you. <laughs> and whether you're a patron or not, I want to thank you if you purchase one of my books or worksheets or use the Amazon link on the website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. You know, the Amazon link is the easiest way to give back. So if you've been listening all this time and you haven't used it once, well, either you don't shop on Amazon, which is possible, or you do shop and you just forget. So what I want you to do is drag the button, the Amazon button, from your screen to your desktop if you're using a computer. I don't know how it works on the phone. But if you use the Amazon link every time you shop, then Amazon sends us pennies on the dollar and it really helps us with the operating costs of this show. Your shopping habits are making a difference, so thank you. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And to close the show, I'm going to read another email. That's another quick one, but uh, it has a very important question. And here it is. It's from someone I want to call, I don't know, Cindy. <laughs> what does it mean to let go and live contently? She says there's a meme that says I'm constantly stuck between if you want it, go get it. And... If it's meant to be, it will be. So she's stuck between those two concepts. Living between these two truths is torment. For example, since my divorce, I've desired to be in a loving relationship. I love companionship, but I've fallen short when it comes to dating. I've tried dating off and on for several years, but nothing has come from it. I've heard that love will find me, but sometimes I try to help love along. I put myself in positions to at least be found, 
hence online dating, but I wish the idea of love, family, partnership didn't cross my mind as much as it does. It makes me feel like I should be doing something more than just trusting that it will happen for me. How do you let go of a desire when it consumes your thoughts? How do you live contently with an unmet desire? Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. All right, Cindy, great, great questions and um, kind of challenging to answer because that's like maybe telling someone who has a lot of sexual desire to just not think of sex. (laughs) How do you just not think of sex when you have a lot of desire inside of you for sex? It can be difficult. It feels like it's hardwired. It feels like it's impossible to control. Or how about um, when you break up and you're still in love with your ex? Well, just don't think about your ex. Just stop loving your ex. It's impossible. I know it's not impossible, but let's just say it's impossible. (laughs) Let's turn off our resistance there and say, you know what? I've tried and tried and tried. It's impossible. I can't stop thinking about that person. Or I can't stop thinking about, like you said, this unmet desire. So your question is, how do you let it go? I don't think it's a matter of letting it go. I think it's a matter of doing anything you possibly can to fulfill it in other ways. Now, I haven't given this uh, years and years of thought. (laughs) But right off the cuff, I want to say that when you have a desire you typically want to find a way to fulfill it. Now, what this might bring up is, let's just say that you're in a relationship and you have a desire to be with someone else. Fulfilling that desire can be a very, or is usually a very unhealthy thing and will usually cause you to end up in a bad situation. But if you have this desire to be with someone else, then I think the idea is to it but in a healthy way and what does that mean well in the case and this isn't your question necessarily but in the case of desiring someone else outside the relationship you need to question what's going on in your own relationship and why you're desiring someone outside the relationship now I'm not talking about like sexual addiction or something that is uh, obsessive or compulsive inside of you I'm just talking about overall general desire. So you question what's in your own relationship and you go, well, what's missing in my relationship? And once you have the answer to what's missing, then you'll have some idea of a solution. And I'm going to throw out some very generic, probably very terrible advice right now. It's not really advice. It's just an idea where, okay, I desire someone outside my relationship. Okay, What's missing in my current relationship? Well, I want variety. Okay, so here's the terrible advice. You both role model and suddenly you have variety. (laughs) You both dress up as different people and act like different people. I'm the pizza guy. Oh, well, come on in, pizza guy. Well, I'm not supposed to come in. I just need to collect money for the pizza. Oh, well, follow me and I'll go get the money. And then it leads on from there. And (laughs) like I said... Terrible, terrible advice, but maybe not. Maybe not for you. Maybe that's the variety that will be enough. It may not be a different person, but it's sure going to seem like it. It may not be a different body, but maybe the setup is what you need to bring a little spice to your relationship to curb that desire some. 
Because here's the thing. Desires typically are with us. They are almost always with us, at least a lot of us, especially in the situation when it comes to a man having more like sexual desire. They are more likely to look at other people and go, wow, I'm attracted to that person. Wow, I wonder what it would be like with that person. I hate to say it, but there's a lot of men out there like that that will look at another person and wonder, I wonder what it would be like with that person. That desire exists in a lot of us. Yes, I'm a man. <laughs> that desire exists. But what do we do with it? We find other ways to curb it. We find healthy ways, especially when you're in a relationship. You find healthy ways to benefit your relationship and curb that desire. So that's just a very, very light, not in-depth approach to that kind of desire. Maybe there should be a whole show on that, but um, not right now. <laughs> but let's talk about your question, Cindy, which is, you know, dating. Now, this is along the same lines, romance, intimacy, uh, dating, sex, all along the same lines, even though there's typically a sequence of events that lead to the deeper and deeper parts of that. But what do you do when it's been years? Like you said, it's been years and I'm not getting anywhere in the dating scene. So I have this desire. How do I curb this desire? Well, it's the same thing in the sense that you ask yourself, what's missing? And your answer might be, I need a man. At, at least I think you're heterosexual. If you're not, you might be, I need a woman or I need something else. Whatever it is, what's missing for you when you're not with someone? And if your answer is generic, I need someone else in my life, then you drill down a little bit and go, well, why do I need someone else in my life? Well, because I'll feel better with someone. I get to watch movies with them. Okay, great. So you get to watch movies with them. What else? Well, I get to do this. I get to do that. I'll get to hold them. I'll get to see their face every day and talk with them. Great. So you have all these things that are currently missing. What I want you to do is write down what's missing so that you're clear in what you want. It's very important that you do this, especially if it's been years, because for this to last a span of years, it almost tells me that you're not clear on exactly what you want. I'm making a huge assumption here, but if your focus has been on, I just want a partner in my life. If that's your main focus, then you're not likely to get exactly what you want. And in fact, the people that you meet will just be another person that could be your partner, but not have everything else that you need. That's why it's important that you write down what's missing in my life, and especially in the context of relationships. When I'm with someone, I get the following things. When I'm not, I am missing the following things that I really want. And this really defines your perfect relationship. And I want you to keep this list around you or with you or on your fridge or on your table so that you're always adding something more. And this list will grow over time, but soon you'll have a good description of what you desire. Because I think it's important to know as many details as you can about what you desire so that when it shows up, it's crystal clear that's it. And I know what you're saying is like, well, I've had people show up in my life, but they weren't it. Well, if you haven't had a list, then you are not, I don't know how to say this, tuned in 
to what you want. You're not tuned in to exactly knowing what you want. You know those uh, Where's Waldo posters and pictures on, in the magazines and things where you're looking through a crowd of people and faces looking for that very specific person with glasses, Waldo. And then when you find him, you're like, yes, that's it, because you were so focused on him. But if you were looking for any anyone that's uh, between 5'8 and 6'4 <laughs> and um, between 180 and 250 pounds and you know, on and on, then you're going to have a lot more people to choose from, but a lot less selection. I know that sounds opposite, but the more selective you are on paper, the more likely your perception will be tuned into what you're going to get. I know I'm treading on thin ice in the law of attraction territory. (laughs) I never go there. I never go into it's all energy and vibrations and frequencies. But let's look at this scientifically. When you're tuned into anything in life, the more you know about it, the more likely you're going to see it. The more you define it, the more likely it's going to appear in your life. Now that's a jump in logic. (laughs) But this is the jump in logic where I start to get into a little bit of faith. Because in my life, what I've seen is that the more I know what I want, the more likely that I will be so tuned into it that it will appear. Because my jump in logic, my faith in what happens next is that the person that is my perfect match is also writing a list that I'm their perfect match too, which means they're also searching for me. Now, does this mean our lists are going to be perfect and they're going to match 100%? Probably not, but it's going to be the closest you can get. So there's my first piece of advice is to be very clear on what's missing when you're not in a relationship so that you know what you want. Focus in on that. Write it down. Be very clear. The more clear you are, the more likely you'll have success. The second part of your question is, how do I let go of desire when it consumes my thoughts? Don't. Don't let go of your desire. And do put yourself in situations where you might meet someone. But do it in a way that it benefits you regardless if you meet someone. And I think that's probably my most important point is that when you are doing things for you, you are not putting desperation into the world. There's a difference between desire and desperation. You can desire all you want, but when you become desperate for it, you create a repellent that keeps people away. Again, another jump in logic, but in my own experience from what I've seen is that the more desperate you are for something, the more likely you'll end up with something you don't want in your life. It's okay to be desirous. It's okay to have these thoughts and feelings of wanting in your life. It becomes unhealthy when it becomes a desperation. Like, I have to have it. I wish so much that I had it. That's when you're putting out there an entirely different vibe. When you're putting that desperation vibe out there, you're more likely going to get things you don't want. So the real trick is to be okay with desire. Do things for yourself. If you think you'll meet someone in a meetup group, 
then go to that meetup group with the intention to enjoy it yourself and the desire to meet someone. But don't put the desperation out there that turns into disappointment when you go through it for eight weeks and nothing happens. You really need to focus on what you want to do in your life so that you'll meet someone else that's doing what they want to do in their life and you connect that way. It doesn't have to happen that way. It's just when it does happen that way, it's more powerful. It's more bonding. It's usually a more uh, of a fulfillment of desire. But the idea is not to put the desperation out there because desperation attracts a different type of person. And I don't really want you to end up with someone that goes after desperate people. You probably know that won't uh, end too well. It can, it could, but I don't recommend it. But be desirous and be desirable. And being desirable means that you keep doing things for yourself so that you desire to be with yourself. That doesn't mean that's the end result. That just means that you become the person you want to be with. And suddenly you're desirable and people will see this in you and they will sense it in you and you can take that with you everywhere you go. I'm all about putting yourself in circumstances where you'll meet someone. It has to happen that way sometimes because staying at home, waiting for the phone to ring, typically that makes it harder <laughs> for people to know what you look like, what you're about. And it's also putting out there that you're not willing to do too much effort to make something happen in your life. So I'm with you, Cindy, that you do need to put yourself out there. I don't think there's a battle between those two things that you said. Like one of them is, if it's meant to be, it will be. I think they work with each other. Because your first thing says, if you want it, go get it. And if it's meant to be, it'll be. There's no difference there to me, except I would only go get it if it doesn't come from desperation and only comes from desire. Believe me, I was on a job once and a girl came up to me and said, hey, you want to go out? And I was like, what? <laughs> a girl has never asked me out before. This is so strange. And I already had a girlfriend, but I was flattered. And I was like, wow. That's kind of nice. It takes all the pressure off of me, that's for sure. But when I said, no, I'm seeing someone, um, she smiled and said, okay. And I was like, wow. There was no desperation. She wasn't like, oh. <laughs> it didn't seem like she left and went, oh, well, my day's ruined. Like she was looking for the man of her dreams and then she was going to put me on the spot to see if I was that man. No, she just asked. That may not be your style and that's fine too. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying, if you do go for it, if you do ask those questions, make sure it comes from a confident place inside of you that isn't so reliant and desperate for a positive answer that the rest of your day goes terrible because someone rejected you. That's when it gets too hard. That's when the idea that it's been years and years and no one's saying yes or I haven't found the right person, that's when it gets just too difficult to go on the journey. So it's best just to make yourself desirable by going after the things that you want to do in life. And then, yes, put yourself in those situations where you could meet someone and keep desire separate from desperation. And how do you do that? Well, one way is to just keep your mind open and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. I mean, I highly recommend you always take steps to grow and evolve because you are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you 
are amazing. still listening? If you are, you're probably a member of the TOB patron program or you're just curious about what I'm going to say to them. <laughs> if you're in the patron program, I appreciate you. And I'm going to go through a list of names here and thank you personally. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Karina, Michael and Stephen and Denise. Thank you, Samantha and Eleanor and Linus, Lina, Lena and Zachary and Ryan and Shirley and Jackie and Diana and Matt and Andrea, and Lisa, and Marina, and Rosemary, Kyle, Jennifer, thank you, Edward, thank you, Luna, thank you, Shannon, Ashish, Darlene, Sandy, Charles, Joel, Christina, January, Layla, Linda, Mandy, Diane, Pura, Louise. You can tell I recognize a lot of these names because we connect offline and such. Uh, Louise, let me see, I already said that, Nicole, Jeffrey, Monica, Nancy, Sophia, John, Loretta, Jade, uh, Ton, I think is that's how you pronounce it, or Thon, Cher, good to see you here, and Jamie, good to see you here, Stephen, good to connect with you, Clifton, thank you, Lauren, thank you, Joshua, thank you, Robin, and Elizabeth, wow, and of course, James, who I think was the very first member and is still in the patron program. I appreciate you, James. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for supporting the show and giving back. I am so grateful for you. And of course, reach out anytime. I'd love to connect with you. Thank you again. You warm my heart. 